Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, before we get into the episode, we have some things to tell you. Yes, perhaps the most exciting thing we have to tell you is that uh, we know a lot of you have been waiting to find out if we're going to be able to get virtual tickets to either Friday or Saturday night of Buffy Prom. We are very excited to tell you that we're partnering with Moment House and we're streaming the Friday night event. It is called Celebrating 25 Years of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from Sunnydale High School. We are so excited. It is March 11th, 2022. Virtual tickets will go on sale today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Today, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern <gasps> Time. And you can find them at momenthouse.com slash buffering the vampire slayer. Woo! On that very Friday night, we're gonna have live music from me, special guests, including our nemesis, Morgan <laughs> and Latoya from Angel on Top, and Evan Ross Katz, who is soon to release his Buffy-themed book, and we will all be together at Torrance High School, a.k.a. Sunnydale High. Do we have graduation robes already? Maybe. Do we have Letterman jackets already? It is possible. Very possible. Uh, Los Angeles-based folks, there are still about 40 tickets left to the in-person event. A note to those of you who already have tickets to Friday or Saturday night, we know that for a lot of you, it's the first time you're going to be attending an in-person event in these COVID times, and we know that it can be really daunting. So know, please, that ticket holders are going to get an email in the next week as we start gathering proof of vaccination. We specifically capped attendance at Friday's event to, to leave 350 empty seats in the theater so that there can be space between folks. Both events will be masked. Saturday's event is entirely outdoors. And all of the information uh, as we have it can be found at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom safety. If you just go to prom, you can find all the details of the event. Also, um, we know that some of you were like, but Saturday, Saturday, why is Saturday not a virtual event? Uh, and we hope that in years forward, it can be. It's just that prom, if you've been to it or if you've heard of it, there's a lot of dancing, there's a lot of music, there's a lot of movement. And so producing that event to stream it was really complicated. And we want to make sure that when we have you purchasing a ticket to a live prom that we are giving you an experience that rules. You know how we do things over here. We're only going to let you come if it's going to rule. And we're not sure that we could have made it rule this year on Saturday night virtually. <laughs> but Friday night is going to rule. Um, speaking of a segue, I have failed to thread into this <laughs> little transition. It's time for the results from last episode's Sexual Tension Awards. You could have said him. Speaking of complicated production... I, yeah, uh, the episode was him. The star was a varsity jacket. Uh, and here is how the 611 votes that you cast on our Twitter poll fell in fourth place. <laughs> so sad. In fourth place with a paltry 1% of the vote. It's Lori and RJ. I'm sorry, Lori. <laughs> oh, dear. In second place. Oh, no. No, 
she can't catch a break. With 11% of the vote, it's Dawn and RJ. Picking up uh, maybe half a head of steam here in second place with 39% of the vote. It's that coveted sandwich that goes bottom layer Anya, middle layer RJ, top layer Willow, or rearrange the the layers to your liking. And in first place, it had to be, of course, with 49% of the vote, mm-hmm. Xander and Spike together again, reunited, and it feels so good. They were roommates. They were roommates. <laughs> uh. A quick note, though, you probably already saw it if you were on social media. We have new stuff in the store, uh, sweatpants that say pay Buffy Summers. They rule. Jenny and I, before we put them up on sale, we're like, send us each a pair before they sell out. We want want the sweatpants. We've got Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy on a long sleeve for the first time. We have sticker packs, which honestly are my favorite thing ever, which combine (laughs) Why are men smash the demon lizard patriarchy? The little yowler cat just saying no. Uh, and some other really <laughs> fun uh, patriarchy smashing designs from our past. And we have some willow candles back in stock in the store. And they actually are in stock as of today. So that's big news because usually they go so quick that I can't even tell you about them in the intro. So they are there while they last. <laughs> Hot. Uh Speaking of things that are hot, (laughs) we have a very special guest this episode. Friend of the pod and prince of our hearts, Rishikesh Hirway is with us today to discuss this episode. Also, Rishi and I wrote this episode's song together and produced it together. And uh, you know what happens when Rishi gets involved with our podcast. Great things. Great Great things. things happen. The song is gorgeous. I just finished uh, editing the episode and listening to like Rishi's voice in my ears is just like. It's I, so soothing. It's so. It's like a massage from the inside. Oh, oh well, okay. Yes. Well. But I'm going to continue forward. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So um, I also want to let everyone know that we have a special segment uh, up on Patreon today. It is not behind a paywall. It is free for everyone where Alba is in conversation with our listener, Shanga. Shanga is an ancestral communicator uh, and emailed us when she knew that we were approaching conversations with dead people. Uh, Shanga notes that there are different names to describe what she can do. They include psychic medium, channeler, clairvoyant, energy reader. Her use of ancestral communicator describes her ability to receive messages and speak to anything that has an energy or an essence, including animals, elements in the natural world, alternate timelines, and notably dead people. The link to that conversation is in today's show notes and a big thank you to Alba and Shanga for having the conversation. Yeah. I'm going to skip the email today because we have a a long episode. It's a big episode, Conversations with Dead People. Um, But I will tease that uh, next time we have an episode up, I will read an email, the title of which is, Give Hecate a Break. (laughs) It would be nice. It would be, wouldn't it? (laughs) All right, Jenny, let's do it. Indeed. Welcome 
dear listener, to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with those gals I'd love to haunt, but in a nice way, Angel on Top. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about season seven, episode seven, Conversations with Dead People. In my notes, I had not changed it from him. And I'm so superstitious about that. I don't know where that came from. But I just while you were talking, Jenny changed it like real quick, because I was like, if I don't change it, this episode's going to be trash. So we're on season seven, episode seven, conversations with dead people. And uh, if you like, you should stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny. Although Jenny, do you do you want to interrupt me to talk about this week's song recapping the episode? Joining me in the composition of this week's song and joining us for this episode, it's friend of the pod, Holy very shit. tall drink of water, Rishi K. Shearway. Hello, Rishi. <laughs> hi, Rishi. Hi, hi, hi. Wow. We did it. <laughs> it's so nice to we be did. back. Oh, Reunited and it feels so good. I mean, the last time that we had you here in our sweet vampire embrace, it was all the way back at in Hush. Is That's that right? right? Yeah. That's like eons. So much Bananas. has happened, Rishi. Yeah. So many seasons have passed, both on the so, show and in our own lives. In our own lives. It was truly, truly, we were different humans, all of us back then. Um, anyhow, Jenny, please, please tell us, although this episode will tell us when it aired, um, but you should tell us as well. Sure, 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 sure. Conversations <laughs> with Dead People was written by Jane Espenson and Drew Goddard, but put a little asterisk next to that Mm -hmm. that we'll come back to in a sec. Directed by Nick Mark (laughs) and originally aired on November 12th, 2002, just 10 days before I turned 21 years old. Oh, I thought of you when it came across the screen. I was like, she Mm -hmm. must be so satisfied that the date is written there for her to do birthday math. (laughs) Uh, According to... IMDB. This is the one where Buffy strikes up a conversation with a vampire who was once an acquaintance in high school. Dawn defends Joyce from a menacing creature. I give that a D minus on summarizing this episode from <laughs> IMDB. <laughs> um, yeah, Je- I, I, I have that same asterisk on the writers, Jenny. Do you want to talk about that before we even like jump into it all? I do. And Man, this really hit a very satisfying place in my heart when I finally learned these facts. Because when Rishi and I got together to write the song, we were like, hmm, yeah, okay, so writing the song from Buffy's perspective, but Buffy is kind of like the least, in our experience, like not the most compelling thing that's going on in the app. And it feels kind of totally different from everything else that's going on. (laughs) And hey, there's a very good explanation for this because... while the writing of this episode is credited to Jane and Drew, it was actually split up between four writers. Jane Espenson wrote the Dawn scenes. Drew Goddard wrote the Geek Trio scenes. Mm. Joss wrote the Buffy Holden scenes. And Marty Noxon wrote the Willow Cassie scenes. Since Joss and Marty were EPs on the show, they would often forego formal credit for their contributions on various scripts, which is why it's uh, credited to Jane and Drew. Wow. That what you think about that is pretty cool. I mean, it reminds me of that movie Four Rooms, mm-hmm. um, or all those other movies that are that kind of uh, 
what do you, what do you call those? Um, those kind mm. of um, anthology movies. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read that. I, I got these facts right before I did my rewatch, and it definitely impacted the way that I took in the scenes. Because, the, I mean, the, the Buffy, what's his name, this vampire? Who I want to hold in psych major Holden Webster of course oh webs right good old webs uh yeah I I don't know how I would have felt watching it uh, not knowing whatever but I wanted to murder this vampire I guess you call it slay I wanted to slay this vampire uh from the moment he opened his his mouth and like knowing that it's because I think it's really well I, I actually think it's a really well written like dialogue but also I want to kill this vampire for all of his bullshit. And I wanted to do that even more once I learned who mm. was writing, who was really mm. digging into Buffy's brain via this vampire. Mm. <laughs> I'm not as familiar I- with, uh, with Jane Espenson, but learning this, it is very satisfying because it really tracks with what I think of when I, with those other three writers that, uh, Drew Goddard wrote the trio and that mm. Marty Noxon wrote the, um, punch me in the heart stuff, uh, with uh with Tara and and Willow um yeah and that Joss wrote the part that I didn't like as much yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jane- uh, just for reference let me run you down some uh Jane Espenson episodes okay we've got band candy we've got a new man where Giles is transformed into a demon. We've got Superstar where everyone loves Jonathan. Mm. We've got Triangle, which features the triangulation of Willow, Anya, and Xander. And then Olaf the Troll shows up, a classic. Uh, I Was Made to Love You, introduction of April the Robot, who is the uh, preceder of the Buffy Bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Intervention, which is the episode, oh God, that makes me cry to describe, where... Uh, Spike is captured by Glory and Glory's trying to figure out who the key is and she like tortures the shit out of him and right. all the Scoobies assume that Spike gave up the the info. Right. And the way that they decide to figure it out is they send the Buffy bot in to be like, why didn't you tell her? And then the Buffy bot kisses Spike, but then it's really Buffy. <laughs> That's my biggest, like if you were to say like, what is your biggest Jenny and Buffy memory? It is Jenny, before I had ever seen the series, telling me about that scene and just <laughs> weeping just like absolutely. while driving a car <laughs> <laughs> do not describe the plot of intervention while driving jenny known to self um yeah i mean i think i'm not sure if this tracks for all of those episodes that you just listed jenny but i feel like jane is really good at also just like doing a thing to its nth degree like she just goes so hard on like exorcist poltergeist like every horror thing and I was thinking about it because like the characters in the show are all being impacted in specific ways right like they're being manipulated and all of those manipulations are so specific to them and so what I love about Jane's writing and Dawn's situation is that just the like classic horror connecting to the fact that she's watching this like horror movie on tv it just seems very dawn the whole like that's how you get to her that's how you get to this like you know sophomore in high school who's watching horror movies is you give her that horror uh so i really liked it yeah i also feel like jane really does great sort of like uh simultaneous hilarity and punch you in the guts as well yeah uh like the things that dawn does when left to her own devices (laughs) 
Uh, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> the <wait>. Lord. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was very satisfied to learn this, and I'll tell you another thing, Kristen, Rishi, hmm. dear listener. The other options that they came up with when they were conceptualizing, you know, what other dead people could be conversed with. Oh, yeah. Uh, Amber Benson was asked to come back as Tara and she declined. They thought about bringing Eric Balfour back as Jesse, who I died in the pilot, loved wow. that. To, to have conversed with Xander. But they didn't do that. And as a result, this is the only episode in the whole series with no Xander. Well played, Rishi. Hey. <laughs> you got here at the right time. <laughs> Uh, they, and they thought about bringing uh, Halfrek back, but uh, Callie was unavailable. Uh, Callie, so Callie that was is... over on uh, doing uh, Broadway shows or West End noises music, off, probably. Right? Yeah, she was uh, she was busy. Um, it was yeah. a mixed mix bag for me. N- no Xander. Hey, no Giles. Oh, yeah, no Giles. He's That's away. True. He's in England. He's but off. But you're here, so it's English. like we get a little oh, dash of Giles true. in the universe. <laughs> How weird is it now that just that that we see Giles everywhere as a bad guy on TV these days? <gasps> it's Who, weird. His name is Rupert. Some of the yeah, time. exactly. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, should we talk just for a moment before we dive into uh, the beginning of the episode about the previously ons? Because it's so it's like the crispest previously's ever. It's like. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Tara died, Warren was flayed, Andrew and Jonathan exist, Spike has a soul, Cassie died, from beneath you it devours. Rishi, just so you know, on this podcast, when <laughs> from beneath you it devours is invoked, we say F-B-Y-I-D, yep. uh, which and just rolls right off the tongue. As Jenny always says it like that, too. Like, right, that's right. the inflection. Sure. You yeah. know, I, I say just the letters, but Jenny, you know, it Jenny Jennyfies it. So <laughs> uh, I do have F-B-Y-I-D written in my notes with a space between each letter to end the previously on. So it is stuck. <laughs> um, but this is like the antithesis of the last previously ons. The previously ons for him were like, I don't know, you don't really need to know anything to get into this wild episode. But this one, it was like, okay, you got to remember fucking this and this shit and this other thing and this other fucking thing to get you set up. And that's why it's so, you know, the editor was thankful, I think, that he got some shit to actually yeah. do in this previously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's very clear. So we begin at the bronze at 8.01 p.m. on November 12th, 2002, which yeah. is the time at which the episode was airing. <laughs> yeah. And this is the only episode that has a title screen except for Once More with Feeling conversations with dead people in quotes comes on the screen and i was like this feels like a thing i haven't seen before yeah uh, and, interesting you know obviously i mean once we're with feeling it feels like that doesn't even count because of course there's a title screen for that it's a fucking musical um but this is the only title screen and the only time when we get like that kind of a title and then timestamp. Um, Rishi, I'm particularly excited that you're here for many reasons, but one, because like Angie Hart is just fucking playing the bronze, singing her shit. And like, I don't know, you know, when I think of you, I think of lots of things, but music is one of them. So I get two musicians to talk about Angie Hart and Frente, you know, if you feel like it <laughs> with. Yeah, I too was watching this, taking notes. I was like, oh, thank God Rishi is going to be here because you know how when you're on tour you always plug everything in in front of an audience 
and your drummer hits the one cymbal like eight times to test it, and then you just start playing a set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always doing this shit. Yep. I mean, it's it's a it was basically a preview of what people are going to see when they come to see us. Yes. <laughs> we'll be sound checking I'm... in front of everybody and then going right into the songs. Um, uh, I'll yes. be playing the cymbal uh, Rich... eight times. You're playing the cymbal. I'm playing the bass going into some rack gear. For <laughs> so, this is like a very sophisticated. It's simultaneously a sophisticated rig that I'm not 100% sure belongs on stage and also the most amateur sound check of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I was introduced to Frente when I was a freshman in college, which just feels it just feels perfect for what's going on here and this psych major and everything. Like it all came together for me in a really satisfying way because <laughs> um yeah, listening to that Frente record with the cover of uh, Bizarre Love Triangle on it um mm -hmm. was um Oh yeah. It, I just I I feel like, a, even though it was a few years before this episode aired, to me, the era feels right. Yeah, I I was surprised to see that it's Marvin, the album that I was familiar with. And it came out in, it, uh, according to my research, came out in 1992, which I was like, really? That seems wow. so early because I know, because for me, it was a similar time. It was like nine, in like 98, maybe, 90, in the like 98, 99, that yeah. like that album came to me yeah. and... I was bopping around to accidentally, accidentally Kelly Street, um, right. and I lo I loved Fr like I fucking loved Fronte. I played that album. It was like one of my main albums in those years, um, but I guess it had been out for a while. Yeah, God, I didn't realize that at all. I know. Um, Correct me, I can see Jenny's research face on, so maybe she'll. Well, <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, Marvin, the album was 92. I was curious because my introduction was Shape, which came out in 96, and then I worked backwards. Mm. So, so I maybe got that's into them right when Shape came out. Yeah, I just remember Marvin, the album, so much more, but maybe that's what happened is that, you know, they had a new release, and then, you know, that hit in a way where the the a lot of us went back into the archives, but part of the fun of Marvin, the album for me was singing along, which um, reminds me of a an onion headline one of my favorites uh which is <laughs> boyfriend announces plan to spend infuriating afternoons speaking in australian accent <laughs> <laughs> oh god jenny you've been kind of like uh, like nodding along and what have you i imagine that that these albums were sort of of importance to you at the same time. We were oh, all, yeah, yeah. all just on our own little orbits, not knowing that in the year 2022, we would be discussing <laughs> Marvin the album yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened to I listened to their records. Like I like wore their records out. I like sought out the like import versions of singles with B sides, which is yeah. a thing that you used to have to do to hear everyone's complete <laughs> discography. Um, it wasn't all just on a streaming platform and on a single page. Um, I'm looking at the cover art of Shape, which looks like a demented Fruitopia ad. Oh, it's like a sun made of a foot. Yep, yep, yep. Like all the spikes of yes. the sun are oh, just toes. It's really yeah, okay. disturbing. And it's like in front of an island and yeah. like a blue sky with fluffy clouds. As soon it's as like you said foot, the like the like memory dislodged itself from inside of my head. <laughs> there are two more things that I personally would want to note here. Uh, watching Angie Hart, yeah, at the bronze. 
Uh, first of all, apparently this song was co-written by Angie Hart and Joss Whedon. <gasps> he did a better job than he did with that Firefly theme song. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, think, I think Angie should have helped him out on that as well. I'm... <laughs> Rishi, I'm making Kristen watch Firefly. And I don't know if you've ever heard the theme song, but it's regrettable. I we must like have it. because I've seen the whole series, but I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, you blotted that skip out. Skip intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> good call so, um, um my porn name is skip intro <laughs> straight to the good stuff so good okay. uh the other thing i wanted to note here is that i was noticing that a member of angie hart's band is playing a harmonium and i went on a little research dive and i wanted to share some things that i thought would be interesting Rishi, my fellow musician, please feel free to jump in if uh, you know anything that I don't know. That's not true. What about I've if I know downloaded... something? <laughs> yeah. What if I surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kristen. I didn't mean to count you out. <laughs> in the Venn diagram of all things that Jenny knows, everything that I know is a smaller circle within, wholly <laughs> encompassed no. within the circle. Jenny circle. Okay. I hate everything about that except that we're eternally holding each other. <laughs> Well, you're holding me. I'm the little spoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so get a load of this shit. In 1779, a man there, a man, there was a man. <laughs> there was a man named Christian Gottlieb Kratzenstein. Okay, and this guy was a physiology professor known for experimenting with the effects of electricity on the human body, and he was allegedly the inspiration for Mary Shelley's Dr. Frankenstein. <gasps> wow. This guy's chilling. Mm, I think in Denmark. Okay, spooky I didn't write down where he's Denmark. from. Spooky <laughs> Denmark. <laughs> spooky Denmark. Uh, and he was really inspired. He really loved this Chinese instrument called the sheng, which is a free reed instrument shaped like a vertical pipe. And inspired by this, he created a small pneumatic organ fitted with free reeds um, that you pumped air through with little pedals and other people got wind of this little pneumatic <laughs> organ and they started got wind uh you know it. modifying okay. it making their own little changes <laughs> and um then in 1840 a guy called alexandra deban who is from france uh was the first person to name it the harmonium and and get the patent for it mm. um so this is the 1840s. They're taking Europe by storm because they're smaller than pianos and they're not impacted by weather. So they're not like constantly falling out of tune and having to be tuned again. Uh, they become really popular across Europe. But then the early 1900s, they start to wane. However, due to migration, colonialism and the like, uh, they've been sort of transported. All They've, they've Johnny Appleseeded themselves all <laughs> over the globe. And in particular, they've become popular in India, where a company in 1875 called Dworkin and Sons adapted the instrument to be half the size and operated by hand bellows instead of the foot pedals. Mm. And by 1915, India had become the world's leader in harmonium production. Hot damn. <sighs> Wouldn't it be great if harmonium was just uh, an element on the periodic table that you needed to uh, craft mm, instruments? It does. What would the letter abbreviation M. code 
B. Yeah. Big HM. H HM. little M. Because it kind See, of, I knew I'd be able to contribute something. <laughs> because yeah. that's kind of what the instrument does, too. Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this. Um, what's the, just real quick, I, what's the one that's like maybe kind of like a harmonium, but you blow through a tube using your mouth? Melodica. Uh, melodica. Melodica. I th I know that like we need to get off of like Angie Hart and what have you, but if it pleases everyone, I would like to say just two more quick Angie Hart facts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that okay? Are they Angie Absolutely. Hart? Joss Whedon facts? Because there are apparently a lot of those. Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> sort of yes, but but oh, but very specific, I think, uh, to this universe. One. She sang backup vocals on Under Your Spell, and her then-husband, Jesse Tobias, I don't know if that's how you mm -hmm. say his name, was the music co-director for the musical episode, mm -hmm. which I didn't know. And also, mm -hmm. speaking of fucking Firefly, I haven't seen this episode yet, but apparently Angie Hart is on Heart of Gold uh, yeah. and sings yeah. in that episode as well. So I don't have any other facts. Uh, I'm not sure I want to know any other facts, to be honest with you, but <laughs> <laughs> those are the two facts I have. Um. It's nice. It's a it's a collaboration that runs deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I was reading, I thought perhaps. <laughs> anyway, so Angie Hart's all like, "Where were you? Where were you?" And the director of the episode is like, "Well, Buffy is patrolling the cemetery, and Spike is drinking at the Bronze, and Will is at the UC Sunnydale Library, and Dawn is at home." Yeah. Fucking about and to microwave some goddamn marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like. In a moment that like really feels like the culmination of where we are in the series, especially after season six, Buffy is next to a grave, a fresh grave, and a hand comes up and she says, sounding so world weary, here we go. Ugh, right it, into the credits. It was very um, time to make the donuts, Dunkin' Donut, <laughs> like <laughs> 80s commercial. <laughs> Is that a reference yeah. that everybody yeah, exactly. gets? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I got remember, it. I remember Fred the Donut Guy being like way more excited about making the donuts, but maybe I'm just remembering the good, the good uh, rounds of donuts. <laughs> I think that he, he was made. always a little tired. Yeah, it was that's rubber. what I remember is he just woke up. Mm. You know, he, he wakes up. It's dark out, and uh, and he gets up and he's like groggy and he just says, "Time to make the donuts." Yeah. <laughs> Please tweet at us at BuffRankCast and let us know your memories of the... What's his name? I think it's Fred. Incredible. Would have never known what his name was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here we go. And this is, I mean, to your point, Jenny, of like situating us where we are in Buffy's psyche uh, at this point, this is a massive episode for like turning us into the rest of the season. Because we've been talking like in the last few episodes of like, so... What's happening? Like, we're all over the fucking place. Buffy's, like, falling in love with a guy in a Letterman jacket. This is happening. That's happening. And this episode, so much happens. So why don't we start with Jonathan and Andrew? For the record, if I were to mm. see somebody in a David Letterman jacket, I would fall in love with them, too. But I'm done. Is that... Is that uh, like a jacket with like a David Letterman like logo or is it a jacket made of David Letterman's <laughs> wow. hide? That's very dark. What Whoa, are we talking about Jenny. exactly here? Okay. What are, are your, Girl, Scout, right are your Girl Scout cookies made with real Girl Scouts? <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. 
Jonathan and Andrew are coming back to Sunnydale. They are returning from Mexico. There is this, like, I kind of appreciate this Andrew being like, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to speak the language. Everybody was speaking this language. And then Jonathan immediately being like, you literally learned all of Klingon. Like, what the fuck? Because that's just such a thing. My it's dude. Like, you, you learn what you want to learn, humans. So examine your fucking choices and your bullshit. And then Andrew, yeah, I can see Jenny's little, what do you call these little hands? These little scheming hands. Wallace Go ahead, and Gromit Jenny. hands. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, Jenny. I won't talk anymore. I'll let you say the things you want to say. Okay. Well, we learn that uh, Andrew and Jonathan have been having bad dreams in which it is said, desde abajo te devora. It eats you starting with your bottom. <laughs> I-E-Y-S-W-Y-B. That's it. That's what I got. It eats you starting with your bottom is a great that's good that's good that's good writing right there that makes me laugh every time i see it it makes me laugh it reminds me of a skip intro video (laughs) one of your first i think (laughs) uh to i have a little hell math for us if you'll permit me hell math the boys sort of uh roll into sunnydale we see the Welcome to Sunnydale sign, and it says population 32,900. The last time we saw the sign was in <gasps> School Hard, and the population was 38,500. School Hard aired on September 29th, 1997, approximately five years ago to the day of this moment. <laughs> that means that since then, 5,600 people in Sunnydale have died, which means approximately every year, 1,120 people die. Which means that every week, approximately 21 and one half people die, which is an average of three per day, three deaths per day in Sunnydale. Boom. You've been hell math. You're wait, welcome. Wait, but <laughs> Krista, just to bring, just to invoke my sister, data scientist, uh, presumably some number of people are also being born, which means even more people are dying. Oh, God damn it. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay. Okay, but that yeah, that is important to factor but in. But net 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 deaths. Net deaths, right? And uh, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. God, I didn't know I was going to have a brother of a data scientist up in here checking my facts. Better you being here than the forty thousand emails I would have gotten if you hadn't right, said right. it. Right, right. Send your complaints to net deaths at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Um. Anyhow. Off we go. We're in the cemetery quickly. We're fighting. And then we're at the scene that we want to be at, which is uh, Dawn's poem. Would, would you like to deliver it? Uh, would anyone no, else please. Like... I love Dawn. Rishi, I don't. Dawn didn't even exist. Dawn was a fucking key the last time I saw you. But I <laughs> right. love Dawn. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Dawn is eating pizza and she says, anchovies, anchovies, you're so delicious. I love you more than all the other fishes. So good. I love Dawn. Uh, it's good. She's getting up to all kinds of nonsense. She's getting <laughs> sauce on Buffy's clothes. She'll think it's blood. It's fine. <laughs> she is taking my number one pet peeve to the next level. Firing, not just firing a crossbow, but firing a crossbow <laughs> indoors. <laughs> Ma'am. No, she's this... covering up the damage with a house plant. 
this checks for me. Like this brought me back, honestly, not to high school, but like more to like eighth grade. Like I feel like I didn't have any crossbows, but like microwaving Thank marshmallows, God. just shit like that. It's like, what the fuck were we doing when we were like 14 <laughs> years old at our houses by ourselves? Kind of a lot of stuff like this for me. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I will say her level of juvenile delinquency here is even more juvenile than I think how old she actually is supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we only get fun in this clip and then it ends with a bang, but not the like, yay, it ended with a bang, just like an actual bang that's kind of spooky, but who knows what that was. Yeah. This part, this whole subplot was, uh, too scary for me. This is my shit. (laughs) This is my jam. Rishi, tell Kristen how you watched this episode. Uh, Oh my God. uh, What? I had to use, you know, finger eye guards. (laughs) Oh, because you're, because you don't like the horror. I don't like it. It was too scary. The, the, sometimes this show is too mm-hmm. scary. And this was the, definitely, the s- you know, pretty much. I don't know that there's there are other scary parts in this series, but this is pretty much 10 out of 10 scariness. I think the the, you know, flashes of light and the well, I won't jump ahead in the recap. But... No, I was going to jump right there because I was okay. going to say that that those flash that that shit was that scary. Yeah, that's good. But I love it. It's funny that you um, don't do well with the scariest things. And we've brought you here for this episode, which is pretty scary with Dawn. And also the last time you were here, it was Hush, which is pr- pretty much one pretty of the scariest tight. episodes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> really facing your fears. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is uh, uh, my your subplot of immersion therapy for me is working. Yeah. <laughs> or, or is it? <laughs> We also in this scene, I just want to note because Kristen and I were texting about this uh, at the times of our separate watches. Uh, we hear a song which is called Nicolito and it's by uh, Los Cubas Tecas and Pancho Cataneo. Uh, and it goes sort of like, and we were both like, what is the other song that oh. happens in the kitchen from that's this like very much... same, I guess it's not this radio, but from a radio. Right, right, right. And I did a little digging and that song is called Tahitian Swing by New Age World. And it mm-hmm. goes. And there's something about uh, emotional episodes involving Joyce and trauma. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Summer's women hanging out in the kitchen that like, for whatever reason, the music supervisor is like, this is the sort of like sonic vibe that we want to pair with this idea. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's like memorable. It's like very effective. Yeah, because like the the episode, I don't know if you said, but it's listening to fear, which is um, uh, an episode most of us remember because of the queller demon that like suctions itself across the fucking ceiling like a. No nope. fucking creep, but <laughs> avoid it, Rishi. Yeah, don't watch that one, Rishi. Um, but like, it's sort of like Joyce is facing possible illness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like it's like one of the first episodes where it's like, oh no, like mom isn't okay, and Buffy is sort of like processing that, even though Joyce is alive, to the radio playing a song like this, and then we have Dawn, sort of like inversely having this hope that maybe she can like talk to her mom again with this song. It's just like, it has to be intentional, right? It can't just be coincidence. It pinged for both of us. Who knows if we're right? Uh, answer not found. Anyway. Um, could you make a ringtone of Jenny going, <laughs> 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 
listeners, go ahead. Who's going to win? First one. First one gets the, the prize. I don't know what it a is. Treat. <laughs> a treat. A treat. First one gets a microwaved marshmallow <laughs> mailed to mailed you from you. us. Yeah. yeah. You know when you're like, you know when you're a teen and you're at home alone microwaving a marshmallow and you're watching it get bigger and you're just like, cool. <laughs> That's cool. It reminds me of... At the beginning of like five different Shania Twain songs, Shania oh Twain waits for a break in between repetitions mm-hmm. of the chord progression and she'll go, cool. <laughs> and it like has the same <laughs> energy. Oh. Okay. So you got bigger in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Bless your soul, Rishi, because I was over here literally spinning. I was like trying so hard to like snag a lyric from that song and fit it with this shit, and you did it, and I just love you so much. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so, all right, so let's fucking leave Dawn with her marshmallows. We're going to the library for a little intro of what's happening there, which is Cassie? I'm so pleased with this choice. Yeah. In lieu of getting Amber Benson back, which I don't think would have been the right move anyway, I think like bringing back somebody who made such an impression, you know, recently, but also who Willow never met in person. Yeah. Is just like, mm, it's just so good. There's also something I think that's so much more powerful about her thinking that she's talking to Tara through Cassie and then re- like there's just something about that one step away that makes it more emotional for me than if it had been Tara sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. So in this scene, I mean, already Allison Hannigan is going to make us fucking cry. It's literally the first scene. And it's just like Cassie says, she asked that I come and talk to you. Willow's like, What? And she said, she says she still sings. And she says, Tara. She literally, her entire line is just what? And Tara. Mm-hmm. And I'm crying. How are you doing, Rishi? <laughs> um, <laughs> are you watching this through your fingers? <laughs> <laughs> no, my. I mean, I was trying, because I haven't watched the whole show in a while, I, I, I spent some time being like, and who was Cassie? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Literally one episode, but this actress nails it. Yeah, uh, she wrote a lot of she wrote a lot of poetry. She had a vision of her own death, and she told Buffy, who for some reason is now a counselor at the high school. Right? Is she? And then and she Buffy had a heart spent, attack. Is that right? Yeah, she uh, like or like an aneurysm or something. It was like Buffy saved her from the clutches of patriarchal boys in robes. The episode was about right, to end, and right, then she right, collapsed. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Because she she knew she knew yeah. that she was going to die, and you can. It was sort of like the initial final destination. Yeah. Um. Initial original. Yeah. In some ways, she could have been. She could have been a Scooby, um, with those powers. Uh, it's like, oh, we've discovered right. another person with powers. But I would have loved more Cassie. Only, but the, but but then but then she died. But then she died. Making everyone reflect on what it means when we can't help somebody, which is where that episode took us. But it is nice, again, to have her be the person because it is another person with powers. Yeah. 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 It's not some norm core mortal coming back. (laughs) As soon as you said norm, I was like, you better say core or (laughs) you're out of (laughs) here. So back to Dawn in the TV room. She's on the phone with Kit, which is exciting because... Yes, goth girl Kit makes 
probably her final appearance. Yeah, I think it is the final time she gets a, a mention. But we loved Kit for the brief moment we met her in the premiere, I think, of the season. Uh, this is, I think, of all of the scary things that happen, this is the one that scares me the most. This, Dawn's watching TV. There's like Oof. a little like, yeah, what channel are you on? Tom Hanks, LOL. There's another bang. The door blows open. She has turned the TV off. It turns back on. Rishi, if you need to cover your ears, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then she unplugs the TV and it's still playing. That to no. me is the scariest shit in the fucking universe. I I hate it so much. It's so scary. <laughs> yeah, that's some real real poltergeist nightmare shit. Whoo! There's a the, the chairs later are like straight out of poltergeist. Rishi, I'm gonna that's, imagine you have not the seen the chairs that are film. not okay. Which I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Poltergeist when we get there, but let's go back to the cemetery first. Before we look away from Don, I just want to hearken back to some money pinned to a cork board. This is for the store. No pizza right. underlined. Yes. And Don decided to use that money to possibly buy a marshmallow. No, she's no, eating she, pizza. She got pizza. She got anchovies, it. She anchovies, anchovies. Specifically Remember her got poem? She was like, notes can't tell me what oh to do. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? I'm, I was so hung up on the marshmallow that I... <laughs> she sang a song about anchovies, damn it. In defiance okay, of the woo. note. Definitely they in have defiance. those marshmallows in the house. Definitely. They have stock yeah. on marshmallows in the Summers household. I assume she can only order anchovies when nobody else is around to get pizza. Yes. It's like the definition of Dawn, you know? She yeah. drives everybody nuts, but she just loves her fucking anchovies, and I love her for it. I, I said that already, but you're welcome. It's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the vampire. The vampire recognizes Buffy. He is like, Buffy? It's Webbs. <laughs> Marry me? Holden Webster. That's it. It's the whole scene. <laughs> uh, the electronics are scaring me still at the Summer's house. Dawn is smashing now every single thing. And out of the radio comes the voice of Joyce saying, Dawn? <sighs> Fuck! Also, that is scary and in the important part of the scene. But I just want to like say out loud that she smashes the fucking microwave with an axe and it like <laughs> short circuits and there's glass. It's very dramatic. There's a lot of repairs needed on this house after this episode. I really thought it was going to be the kind of thing where after the poltering was geisted that like uh, everything would go back to normal yes, yeah but what a huge bummer. Yeah. This house is totaled at the end of this episode. Yeah. I was yeah. I, I my dumb um suspension of disbelief not working brain kept thinking like and so how do they do multiple takes like what if she needed to read like what if they have to do another take on that microwave axe smashing dude <laughs> get so out the many back microwaves of just like a line of smashed microwaves uh, <laughs> yeah. on set that day yeah but shit's um real broken um, and now, lucky for us, we're going to get to start really hearing what Webb's Holden Webster has to say. I wondered how long I would make it before I would play the patriarchy jingle for this motherfucker, but I'm just playing it right here at the top. The patriarchy! (laughs) 
So he studied at Dartmouth. He is a Taekwondo dude, and he is trying to uh, tell Buffy where she knows him from. And really the biggest thing that happens, I think, in this uh, scene is (laughs) that he finds out he's a vampire and she's a slayer and she's the only one. And so now he's like, Psych 101, activate, which is where we're going to hang out for most of this. (laughs) One thing about Holden Webster, you know, uh, in Spider-Man, he's got his little toot flip things um, around his wrists. Uh, Those are... uh, (laughs) Those, you might call those his webbing holsters. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Rishi. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sir, you're going to have to watch yourself or you're going to end up in the penalty box. That's, now, that's, now that's in your that's, brain. Now I that's just made two you, yellow flags. Two, two yellow flags on the field. That. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, can, can we talk about Scott Hope for one second? Yeah, do. Oh, yeah. We learned about Scott Hope in this scene, too. That's right. So... Holden's like, oh, you were like, you know, mysterious in high school. You know, I heard you were dating an older guy. True. Heard you were super religious. I understand where he got that idea. Mm -hmm. Lacrosse is all the time. (laughs) Scott Hope said you were gay. Here's the thing about this. At first, on my first viewing, it just flew right by me. But then on my second viewing, I started to think, when was Scott Hope around? When were Buffy and Scott Hope briefly going oh to Buster Keaton film festivals oh and when God. was Buffy being given a clotter ring by oh my Scott Hope. God, I think I know Well, the it's right about when Faith got to town, which is definitely the source of this rumor. That is just yet another brick in the beautiful wall wow. of Buffy and Faith forever. You know, they really blow it by having him say like he says that uh, he said that about all the girls that broke up with him because if they had just left it, we could have done that research and really used it as I mean, we don't need proof. We know. Well, maybe the only other girl who ever broke up with him was Faith. (laughs) I feel like somehow the sexual attention award is going to be given to it's going to entirely be happening off screen. Everything about it is good. A lot of off screen. This is a great... I can't even believe that Faith Great might be in the fucking point. running here in season seven, <laughs> exactly. episode seven. Yeah. It's incredible. It's remarkable what happens. Yeah, you know? being you brought up by a character it. off screen <laughs> about a character <laughs> off screen. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And Scott Hope uh, has come out. Congratulations, Scott. So glad. Congrats, Scott. Yeah. Um. Wow. Wow. Jenny. Whew. Maybe it's exciting. like when you get a dog and then you suggest to everybody that they should get a dog. He's like, I, <laughs> there was a rumor <laughs> maybe that she was gay. And then he came out. He was just, you know, he just wanted everybody to be gay. Yeah. Just like him. <laughs> just manifest it. Be the gay you want to see in the world. As I always say. Oh, now there's a t-shirt. <laughs> so Buffy's not hearing her cell phone ring because she's busy being psychoanalyzed by Holden Webster and uh, Dawn is on the other end. This is when shit starts to get real rough at the Summers household. No. Dawn's like picking glass out of her feet. Joyce is like manifesting on the couch behind her, but like Dawn doesn't see it. We, we the viewer just see it. The lights are off. The lights go on. This is some poltergeist shit. The first poltergeist. Um, Jenny, have you seen po- the poltergeist films? Not since I was a kid. The best the first time. Poltergeist. As, as, <laughs> yeah. as the filmmakers intended. <laughs> yeah. I, the I'm poltergeist assuming is the one with the horrifying, yeah. the horrifying clown 
doll yeah. thing, right? Wait, Rishi, and the have TV you seen it? Static. Poltergeist? Yeah. Uh, no, it's one of those movies that like I I think I've heard so many kids in school telling me about um to mm-hmm. scare everybody that I feel like I've seen it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fucking. Before there was Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there were kids. There talking. was Anthony Provenzano telling me at recess <laughs> about <laughs> how he gets um, to see R-rated movies. Well, one of the like most delightful <laughs> scenes, I think, because it, it's pretty rough and pretty scary, and it terrified me as a young person, but I loved it. But one of the most delightful scenes is like that Carol Ann, I believe, is her name, the little tiny blonde girl who's like the centerpiece of poltergeist and there's a little while where she's like interacting with the ghost and she's like learned how to like have the ghost drag the chair with like her sitting by it or it drags her whole self and she's having a blast and her mom Mm. is like the fuck is happening Hmm. um anyway so this chair is piled up shit that's like a direct pull from poltergeist this happens Like this, except for we don't get to see the poltergeist drag Dawn across the floor <laughs> while she's like, "Wee!" <laughs> <laughs> also, I think it's really interesting that they make the choice for when Dawn's back is to the couch and we get a flash of Joyce on the couch just as she was in the body. I think it's very interesting that like Dawn never saw Joyce Ugh, right uh, on the couch, right? But they've like gone to great lengths to make sure that she's positioned just as she was when she died. Hmm. And I feel like that's just something I want to stick a little pin into because like, okay. who's doing this? That was the yeah. single, single worst, single worst detail of this entire episode for me. <sighs> that Joyce detail. Yeah. Yeah. It's we haven't, we didn't, we already watch the body and endure yes. it and it's aftermath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's interesting, though, Jenny. I didn't even really think about it. Um, And a big question to all of us uh, is who, yeah, what is happening in this episode? We don't know yet. Yeah. Does anybody know what color mother's milk is? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Today? It's red. Today. It's red. Yesterday was blue. Oh. Tomorrow, I think, is green. But today, that shit's Uh, red. This is funny. I hate it. This mother's milk is red today on the wall. I mean, it's it funny. It feels a, a little more like cartoonish, I think, than the rest of this scene. But all, maybe that's good. Maybe it's like a little bit of like weird levity or something. Kristen gives it a thumbs down. I mean, I think it's hysterical. I laughed for like fucking 20 minutes when I saw it. But it's just to me, everything else, the poltergeisty chairs. Later, we get the slashes in like mm-hmm. Dawn's flesh, which is very like Nightmare on Elm Street, Exorcist shit. Like it just felt all really like deliciously horror. Um, so I was a little mm-hmm. bummed about the choice for this, except for that I got to laugh. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie, 
in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX. There's so many ways to watch movies these days. Your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets. You will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Dawn screams, stop it, stop it, stop it, in the exact cadence as get out, get out, get out in this scene. Uh, <laughs> which I and like. it's very effective. It's poltergeists are terrified of Dawn's yeah. shriek as they should be, as are we. Yeah, and this is, I think, really effective once for, like, Dawn, so the reason I like Dawn, I mean, there are many reasons, but this is very, this is, like, thinking on your feet, you know? Mm. Like, she's terrified, there's all this shit happening around her, and she's like, how can I decode the horror? Once for yes, twice for no. And this is awful. Mom, once. Mom, it's you, once. Are you okay? Twice. No. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. 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 I'm sorry, Rishi. You covered your eyes and I'm just describing (laughs) it in complete detail for you. I apologize. We also get Dawn delivering just as Buffy did. Yeah. The mommy. Just as Buffy did in in the body. Yeah. Mom. Mommy. (sighs) No. But then right before you get too upset she says are you alone and then the entire house is like full earthquake shaking uh after we hear the two bangs that say no i'm not fucking alone i don't know who's here with me but it's bad news for everyone <laughs> Ta-da. um <laughs> a pleasant vacation from what's going on at the summer's house over at sunnydale high school uh jonathan mission impossibles down into the library and then andrew comes flying down from the heavens that's good shit like a real ding dong <laughs> uh they're after the seal of danzelfar <laughs> question mark who knows that, that, that. put it in your shanshu prophecies or whatever we call yes. it over here in this universe 
uh, this is cute. Maybe we should tell Buffy. We need proof. And then we'll tell her. And then we'll join her gang. And maybe we'll get to hang out at her house. <laughs> they just want to hang out with the cool kids. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen for Jonathan. Oh, no. Jonathan. Jonathan, the only good member of the trio. I mean, there are no good members of the trio, really. But, like, Jonathan. Like, he was really, like, the only one who wasn't inherently bad. I feel like He's Jonathan was turning the corner in this episode. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, he, like, he helped Buffy back when the trio was, like, all active. He's the one, like, that told him how to smash Warren's balls, you know? Like, <laughs> he's he's always had, like... He's had the biggest conscience the whole time and yes. has been closest to turning the whole time. And I think you're right. I think this was like the moment that he was going to finally do like the right thing. Yeah, that that is why I he's one of my favorite characters because of that ambiguity. And um, yeah, and, and this moment, it really felt like, oh, he's coming. He's coming back. He's turning it around. And um, and this is going to be a new chapter for him and could actually be like a really powerful ally the way he has been from time to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would have really liked that yeah. for many reasons. Especially since redemption is obviously a, a huge theme in this show. It would be nice to see Jonathan get have a little bit of it. And I think in some ways they do give him a little bit of it, even in these little moments, just hearing this bit of dialogue from him. It is a way of giving him um, his own kind of, you know, we get to witness that maybe he is redeemed, even if it's not in actions with the uh, Scoobs. Yeah, that's actually really yeah. powerful because I mean you're talking about sort of when he's saying it doesn't matter if they care about me. What matters is that I that like I care about. I don't care if they care about me. I yeah. care about them. And so yeah. thinking about that as like a path for us to see like his redemption or whatever you, you want to call it is is really powerful I think because like that kind of is it, you know, it's like when you're doing the thing, when you're doing the right thing because you want to do the right thing and it doesn't matter who sees it, it doesn't matter who knows it, you're doing it because you want to do it and because it feels right to do it, that mm-hmm. is powerful. So maybe I'm not, I mean, I, I RIP Jonathan, but so that's really beautiful. I also thought there was something really interesting about what he said in this episode in conjunction with the title, with conversations with dead people because though he is still alive in the moments while he's saying it what he says sounded so much to me the way that a a, a benevolent ghost might speak mm. he's like i just want to mm-hmm. see them i just want to be around i just want to know they're okay you know i just just it oh, doesn't matter wow. if they see me or they care about me like just to be a sort of a presence and a force for good in some kind or what just a witness i don't know he he sounded like it sounded like he was speaking the lines of a ghost that gave me like when when I first understood what you were saying, I got full body chills. So good job. <laughs> yes. Uh, oof. When Rishi and I were talking, um, working on the song together, we were talking about that section of Jonathan and Chris. And I feel like this might be up your alley. When Rishi made that observation, it made me think of the goodbye monologue in Our Town mm. when Emily is saying goodbye to things, clocks ticking and mama's sunflowers and coffee and food. Uh, and she's she's talking to her dead mother and telling her that she is de- like that whole thing. That's sort of like a dress. It's like the, it feels like simultaneously highly personal and also like very kind of broad and yeah. widely embracing. 
or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that yeah. same way. Mm-hmm. Does everyone like everyone who knows uh, our town who's listening to this podcast? Like, did you all think clocks ticking first? Because I did. And then you said clocks ticking first. So I'm just wondering if that's like the thing that we remember <laughs> in the dialogue. But you're right. That is up my alley for many reasons. I was in our town. I'm obsessed with my so-called life and my favorite character, Ray and Graf, uh, played Emily uh, in the production of Our Town. So it has many, many roots for me. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. It's really beautiful. It's almost like the two of you like write lyrics to songs or some shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we talked about this, Jenny, at the time when we were writing, but it reminds me a little bit of the first song that we ever wrote together um uh, for for one for a song of mine the first song that we wrote after hush um Mm -hmm. which was about uh, which is called memory palace which hasn't come out yet but um that song is about sandra day o'connor and the the letter that she wrote she wrote this open letter in in october 2018 um Mm -hmm. saying that she had alzheimer's and uh and as a result she was going to retreat from from public life and um, it's yeah. incredibly moving. I found it really moving and, and beautiful and heartbreaking that she was sort of taking a moment to kind of say goodbye to people and then basically announcing that she was going to disappear, even though mm. she, she hadn't, yeah. in a way it felt like, I don't know. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, uh, of th- this um, Our Town Goodbye too. Wow. It's yeah. like I both want to hear this song and I want to never hear this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it'll be out in March, Memory Palace featuring Jenny Owen Young's. Oh, gosh. Will you be playing oh, yeah. it on your tour? Because then I might be forced to listen to it. <laughs> we are going to uh, play yes. it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. See you in Saturdays. Oh, yes. I'll be the one crying in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... Essentially, we've talked a lot about what's going to happen, but Warren, we have not talked about. And Warren, even though uh, I would much prefer if Jonathan was like the ghost of himself and we didn't have to deal with Warren, but he's here. And he's like going hard on the Andrew crush shit. I just don't have room for it, you know, like it for Andrew. I mean, like I want to be like, well, like Andrew's struggling with like his sexuality and his feelings. But mm, nah, this is too bad. The shit he does here is too bad. I don't care if you're gay, man. You can figure your shit out. Um, yes, but no murdering, even if you're gay, even if you're gay. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he's essentially d- telling Andrew that he's more powerful now that he's been killed and that like all that uh, he just has to do this shit with Jonathan and then the two of them Andrew and Warren will be gods together um and Andrew fucking believes it and whatever Hmm. oh cool let's go cry in the fucking library some more (laughs) oh no this um this reveal from Cassie that Tara can't appear directly to Willow because Willow killed people Oh. And it's like you as the viewer obviously are like, stop. Like, clearly there's something wrong here. Clearly. But like, if you are the person who is Willow, who has killed a person, like her own shit is too big to to even like think that this might not be Tara at this point. And it's awful. And she's like, she's talking to you and she can hear me. 
which I almost made a joke and then I didn't make the joke because it's a really serious scene. But I was thinking like maybe Willow has seen the movie Ghost and she's like, I know how this rolls. <laughs> like, can, like we'll let's, make out. Let's later. get to we'll the pottery studio pottery immediately. Later. It'll get really sexy. Um, to the kiln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you know, they're just expressing that they miss each other. It's like particularly rough. When Willow says every day it's like this giant hole and it's not it's not getting better. And then Cassie references this strong like an Amazon mm-hmm. thing um, that Tara and Willow have said to each other previously. And I'm like, knowing what happens later in the episode, where is, air quotes, Cassie getting her intel? Yeah. How does right. she know this? Right, Whoever is right. doing this knows exactly where to press you know exactly the yes. the pain point for everyone simultaneously in all of their minds yeah yeah <laughs> whoever's doing this shit is powerful when you said that when you sort of uh, brought up the part of the quote where, she, where willow says like it's like this giant hole and it's not getting better it just reminded me of this um graphic that i saw recently about grief um which i don't know it moved me because it was sort of like a lot of people think that o- across time grief gets smaller and like in the graphic it's sort of like um there's two circles one's inside of each other it's kind of like the diagram of you and rishi um nice (laughs) and in the in the diagram as it progresses the grief is like the smaller circle and it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then it's uh, in the next line it's like but in reality it's really like life that gets larger like the grief is the grief itself the feeling of loss the the, that doesn't get smaller it's just that your life then gets bigger around it so Mm. you're not you know yeah hitting it as often you know it's just not as present but when you hit it it's always as big as it was um which wow resonated for me yeah ow sorry i like it i think it's good i mean i think that's a hopeful statement yeah 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 because it's like because i also think that part of grief is being afraid that you will forget you know and like that that like (laughs) you don't want to be in pain, but you also don't want to not be in pain because mm-hmm. what would that mean? And so I agree. I, I, it was really powerful for me to, to read and to see. Um, okay. Now I'm watching this podcast through my fingers. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, okay. 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 Well, lucky for you, Jenny, Ow. we're at the bronze and fucking spike <laughs> is sitting at the bar and a blonde just fucking rolls a pack of cigarettes on the bar. So how do you like them? My apples? dude, Justine jr. <laughs> No. I don't know. Have you seen have you ever seen Angel, Rishi? Uh I watched a little bit when, you know, in when it crossed when the streams crossed uh with Oh, okay, with okay, Russia. okay. But have you ever seen sort of the L word, Rishi? No. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you had? This would have been such an exciting moment for all of us here in <laughs> oh, space. Man. <laughs> there is uh. there is a woman who is briefly who has like a I don't know like a one season arc on Angel. She's an antagonist and she's played by an actress who is one of the main characters on the original L Word. Mm. Who like if you watched the L Word, Rishi, if you were a good lesbian and you watched <laughs> the L Word, <laughs> you would hate her character. She's everyone's least favorite character, and then. She's on Angel for a season, and she's everyone's least favorite <laughs> character on Angel. Also, her and name this... 
on the L word is Tina and her name on Angel is Justine. So, so Justina, if you will. Justina. Basically, this woman that Spike is going home with in this mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. has a very similar visual vibe. So it just there's just a lot of hatred being fueled. That's all. Just, okay. just getting you on our so level. We're, but so it's not the actual same actress. No, it is not. It is not. No, no. I would have just, lost uh, it completely entirely if it was. It could it could be though. That bitch is still alive. She didn't die. She could be fucking strolling around Sunnydale. <laughs> now that would have been no, some but this is just some funny approximation. Shit. Imagine if Justine left Los Angeles, rolled into Sunnydale, and then after all living through a whole season of Angel where everyone hated her, she died because Spike fucking bit her. That would have been oh, Chef's fucking kiss. That would have been gorgeous. That would have been nice. I would have loved it. Well. <laughs> All right, time to go to therapy. Have either of you ever laid down on a couch in a therapeutic setting? A talking, is that what they call it? A talking couch? What do they call this couch? It has a name. Sure, a talking couch sounds great. (laughs) No, I've never laid down at therapy, ever. Uh, I have to say one time I did. I was was extremely tired. It was like, some moment in life when things were very, very, very hectic. Um, and I was with Lindsay and I was just like, you can do some talk. And I was really tired. <laughs> and with permission of the therapist and Lindsay, I just kind of um, went horizontal for a bit during during a moment while she was sort of doing most of the talking. Did it change your therapy experience at all? Um, I mean, I didn't have to... <laughs> I didn't have to stay upright in a moment where I physically felt like I could not. So it was, it was good. I think it did because it, it, you know, it was, it was a kind move by everyone towards me. And, um, and Mm. I Mm. think the idea of like, it was certainly isn't probably like the first time that kindness had ever existed in the therapy session, but it was a really, um, (laughs) overt way of demonstrating that kindness. Uh, Mm. and I think that, that makes a difference. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Should we all lay down for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> I think that would be best. As, a, as an act of kindness for each other. <laughs> uh, have you ever laid down on top of someone else's uh, tomb for any reason? <laughs> in any setting? Not I mean, yet. this would have been the kind of shit I would have done in high school, you know? Sure, With yeah. With my fucking goth boots and shit. I didn't, but I would have, have had been. Had right I been after you microwaved a, a marshmallow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's like eighth grade microwave marshmallow, tenth grade I lion see. Okay, 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 with yeah, yeah. Doc Martin boots. You know, like that's the <laughs> one feature that I really like about this ongoing conversation between Buffy and Holden is that because he's someone she has a context for, like a personal context for, and he's also a vampire, uh, a state of being that Buffy has a lot of knowledge about. She is able to have the compassion and the information to explain to him that his face is changing and that that's something he can do and like when it happens. And then she teaches him uh, the word sire. Like, I think that is really fun. It's just a fun piece of this ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I I mean, when I was like, I I think that there are parts of the writing of this that I think are really good. And like the sire seed, (laughs) just like. 
couldn't think of a better way to say it, but mm. <laughs> sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> um, but like the fact that we learn, like the fact that it's just woven in that he says vampify and she says sire, but then that becomes really like one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle for why this guy is here. I just thought that was done very, very well. Um, and smoothly, like you don't feel it you, coming, especially because it was preceded by like the face change and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just like that part all works for me. Um, but it's bad enough, I think, to I'm just going to say this and like we don't have to talk about it. But like it's bad enough for me that this vampire dude named what is his name? Holden Webb and Holsters. Holden Webster. Webb and Hold Webb and Holsters. <laughs> Holden Webster's. Um, the fact that like this dude is like, oh, let me tell you all about the inside of your mind. Um, even <laughs> if he's correct about some of that shit is like upsetting on its face. But then knowing that this is the scene that Joss wrote and that he is writing this like examination of Buffy's psyche was too much for me. No, thank you. Good night. I think it is useful in the same way that so many scenarios within, well, the entire scenario of Once More With Feeling was useful, that people were saying things that they could not have otherwise been able to say to one another. Here, Buffy is allowed to say things so that we can hear her and so that she can hear herself that she wouldn't be able to say to any of the people who are important in her life. Right. Yeah. It just feels a little clunky. But I mean, any other scenario, like you said, the things that you want her to express in any other setting would be even more clunky. Yeah, she couldn't. It's true. She, she what, couldn't do a say voiceover, that... a letter to, that she's writing to, some, you know. Passion. <laughs> Dear Angel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, it's like an over the shoulder. She's typing right, an email. Right, right, like, right. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's why that's why this whole situation it really is uh, it's a both and for both and it's whatever. It's like I I both really appreciate it for certain reasons and really really have a very bad taste in my mouth about it for others. Um mm -hmm. but we do get some insights into Buffy. Uh, I don't know which ones we want to pick up and which ones we want to put down, but in this scene we're talking about her parents' divorce. Her mm -hmm. feelings about that. She's mad. But she, and the thing about it is like she's upset and she wants to like stop talking, but then she can't stop talking because of what you said, Rishi, right? That like she knows on some level that she can keep talking. This is the one situation where she knows she's going to dust this guy at the end. So she can say fucking anything. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to go back for, to, <laughs> for one second, just go back to the image of, uh, uh, of Kristen um, and her Doc Martens. Um, <laughs> do the two of you watch Bob's Burgers? I've seen like a good chunk of the uh, episodes. I, I don't like watch it, you know, in order as a show, but I have seen much of it. Yeah, I've seen a lot, but I'm not totally up to speed. Well, there was an episode early, from earlier this year, um, January 2022 episode, where Bob and Linda are considering whether or not to be buried or cremated after death. Um, and, and, uh, Bob is in favor of being buried. Linda's in favor of being cremated and they're sort of mm -hmm. arguing the points back and forth. And there's just one moment that where, uh, that made me really laugh when Bob says, uh, you know, he's saying cemeteries are nice. They can be peaceful. And, um, and he's like, you know, uh, we're like under an oak tree. It's like a 
picnic spot spot it's us having a forever picnic and uh, and linda says yeah, but cemeteries can be haunted or worse we end up with a bunch of goth punks hanging out on halloween <laughs> sitting on our tombstones smoking cigarettes and making out yeah. <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. and then she looked directly into the camera and said Kristen." yep <laughs> <laughs> just like staring back with my clove it was probably a clove cigarette like <laughs> yeah, of mm-hmm, course. you got it right <laughs> oh wow i could hear bob say it's like a picnic forever like i could hear him say it when you said that <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh all right so moving along i think from this we because the, then he hits her with a statue he like gets, yeah. her, gets her to open up he picks up a, a cemetery statue he clocks her we go to a commercial uh and we come back and they're fighting when we come back right they, like we get a little bit more of the scene we see that she is comes to and they fight a bit sure great good talk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, we go to the scene that Rishi is really covering his eyes for um, at the Summer's house because this is where we get the flashes. And I hear you. I see her and the get out. It's all happening, Rishi. It's we're here. Uh, We've arrived. Um, the one escape pod for me out of the horror of this scene was when the when the voice says get out. I immediately flashed to um, Eddie Murphy. I'm going to can I play something for the two of you? Please. Oh, yes. I was watching Poltergeist last month. I got a question. Why don't white people just leave the house when there's a ghost in the house? <laughs> Y'all stay in the house too fucking long. Get the fuck out of the house. Very simple. There's a ghost in the house. Get the fuck out. And not only did they stay in the motherfucking house and Poltergeist, they invited more white people over. Sitting around going, our daughter Carol Ann's on the television set. I would have been gone. If I had a daughter been down the priest and said, look, man, uh, I went home and my fucking daughter's in the TV set and shit, so I just fucking left. Um, you can have all that shit. I ain't going to back, back to the motherfucking. Uh, I just came down so when she ain't up at school, you th- don't think I killed the bitch or nothing like that. But she is inside the TV set. You can have all that shit. Fuck it. Uh, Mr. Murphy, didn't you try to save your daughter? Yeah, I'm a man. And she, I tried to save. I turned the channel. The shit didn't work. I got the fuck out. Please. The kid was only six years old in the movie. They couldn't have been too attached to her. <laughs> Leave. In the Amityville Horror, the ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now that's a hint and a half for your ass. A ghost say, get the fuck out. I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl. was blood in the toilet. They said, that's peculiar. <laughs> I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. (laughs) (laughs) A perfect clip. I mean, he even said Carol Ann. Yeah, he even talked about it. The the, the listeners couldn't see my face, but I got real excited when he confirmed Eddie Murphy confirmed for me (laughs) that her name was, in fact, Carol Ann. A a twist I didn't see coming. (laughs) Uh, Too bad we can't stay. Yeah, Dawn does not get the fuck out. She literally, like, (laughs) takes it to the next level and, like, turns on her heel and is like, actually, no. (laughs) Um, By the way, the movie Get Out is a reference to that. that Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, from Delirious. (laughs) 
Cool. Holy shit. So, Rishi, you covered your eyes, but you saw enough to know that this was very scary. Uh Uh-huh. We get, like, this sort of all black. I mean, I covered my, you know, I watched, I'm still watching. I was just. You're like, you're like, don't say it. Don't. I saw it. Don't say it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's scary. The lights are flashing. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary. Dawn does the exact thing that Eddie Murphy said she would do. And she says, no, she's my mother. And I'm staying. This is a flip of the, um, <laughs> she was only six years old. How attached could you be? Because really, how attached could how attached could she be to Joyce? I mean, she only just started existing. <laughs> She's only two seasons old. Exactly. <laughs> how attached could we be to her? <laughs> she has no backstory. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Andrew and Jonathan, they're lost in the basement. Warren appears with his creepy stare to show Andrew which door to go through. They go in. They start digging. Ba-ba-da. At the cemetery, more psych shit. Are you killing me because I'm evil or because you opened up? Kill this vampire. Why are you letting him keep talking? I hate him so much. (laughs) Uh, The worst thing... Yeah, she. I wrote. She kicks him in the face, which is exactly what I would have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Buffy like says all this stuff where she's like, "Oh, with you vampires, it's all like blood and lust and sex and death, and it's all one thing." Believe me, I would know. She basically says, "Yeah, I have dated some vampires," and then mass diabolical mastermind Holden <laughs> Webster is like, "I'm going to ask you something." puffing on his pipe, adjusting his little Sherlock Holmes hat. And if I get it right, you have to tell me anything I want to know. Was your last relationship with a vampire? As though he's a genius. Yeah. This is his worst crime to me. I don't know enough about the world to know if this is true, but (laughs) this bro-y douchebag... I'm surprised that he was a psych major Uh, to the extent that any personality types map to specific majors. Interesting. But like if you were a dude who wanted to explain everything (laughs) to everyone, everything, Uh like really, like really just like you think you know yourself, but I actually know you, then it checks. Well, no, (laughs) then all you have to really do is listen to a couple podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) As I said it, I was like, actually, I guess they just do that. Yeah, <laughs> they exactly. don't need yeah, you don't need it. <laughs> uh, um, there's one little aside in this scene that I just want to um, note because it, it gave me a chuckle where he says, oh, my God. And then he's like, by the way, what's the deal on that? And she's like, Buffy goes, nothing solid. I just love like, <laughs> you know, we're on a hell mouth. We're like, is this like a cra- what's happening here? And it's like, we're not sure. We're not sure. Might as well demons. check in if anybody has the hot. God goss. Hot <laughs> gods. Hot. So in the library, Willow is telling Tara via Cassie what happened at the end of season six. She's like, here, let me just play you a few episodes. This is what happened after you died. <laughs> I got real mad. I flayed a guy. So <laughs> veiny, black hair, black eyes. Giles like, came with all the magic. He gave me all the magic. It was crazy. And then Xander saved everything because of a yellow crayon. The end. End scene. Yay. <laughs> Cassie's like, you simply can't use magic again, not ever. Well, this is interesting. 
This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, a little, well, a little like, ham. Well, sure, like evil magic I definitely shouldn't use, right? I feel like Cassie, what, whoever this is, whatever this is, I feel like was really subtle at first, yes. you know? And they just went a little too hard. <laughs> she tipped a little... her hand. <laughs> yeah, she really Yeah, did. and then just kept tipping. She yeah. was like, mm, so so now that you understand, don't ever use magic again and maybe you should kill yourself. And maybe okay, you should no? kill yourself, yeah. yeah I mean, and she's like, <laughs> and this? this is from Tara? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There is a more, I mean, I think there's a more subtle... You know, she could have continued down the subtle path <laughs> to a more effective and evil version of that destination, you know, yes. where it's like, oh, she wants to be with you and you you two belong together and think about the way, you know, mm-hmm. infinity, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the forever picnic. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we could be singing on a bridge to each other forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is another. We get there. There's a lot of like real cliffhangy commercial breaks because this one is Cassie saying, "She says you're not going to be okay. You're going to kill everybody." And then it's like McDonald's ad or whatever happened in the year 2002. No, no, there were McDonald's then. There were there. The <laughs> McDonald's existed then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but what were they up to? What was McDonald's? Like, what was their angle in 2002? They might have just unveiled the Justin Timberlake Pusha T, ba da ba ba ba, I'm loving it jingle. I'm loving it. Holy shit, Rishi, that was so quick. Like, your brain just did that so fast. <laughs> uh, some, sometime around then, right? 2002, yeah. 2003? Yeah. The only thing I could think about was that Burger King gave out free fries in like 96. That was all, all I could reference. And I was like, maybe they were. <sighs> considering a retaliation but that's too many years later i'm loving it was released as a single on november 20th 2003 about a year mm, in advance okay, and, uh, okay, okay. the future from this okay, episode got it got it cassie can, can precog the commercial yeah. for, for <laughs> like, in a year from now yeah <laughs> she's like tara has one other thing that she wants to tell you <laughs> <laughs> oh shit so we talked I mean, we, we we talked about this scene with Jonathan and, and Andrew and it was very powerful and moving yes Jenny gestured towards but someone sure we talked about the emotional stuff which is beautiful but we didn't talk about that they've been very productive in their little dig and they've uncovered the seal and if Hot Topic sold evil <laughs> seals they right. would look like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. And I would have bought one to wear around my yeah. neck. <laughs> yeah. With my boots. For your dorm room floor. <laughs> Welcome to hell. Uh, one, last important thing of that scene is just 36, 19, 27, uh, which is Jonathan's locker combination. <laughs> That's all. Yep. Just, yep. you know, I, yep. I don't know if you'll need it or not. You won't need it. But what if you thought you did? Which is also... The number of people alive in Sunnydale sometime between School Hard and this episode. Yes! <laughs> no, wait, that's not right at all. There's no, extra digits. It's Damn it. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> I know, there's an enormous population boom. <laughs> it was still that worth it. It was Rapidly still squashed. Uh, yeah, it I got was still worth it. Okay. Uh, Dawn is using magic dust. I, like, I don't yep. know where she learned yep. this shit, but she is throwing magic dust. 
this is the scratch on the cheek. There's a glass explosion. Things are very intense at the Summer's house. Yeah, the the yeah. cut on the cheek, I think, it really makes the fear part of this so much more intense because, like Jenny, I was imagining that, oh, there's, there's some kind of uh, ghost mirage mm-hmm. happening here, and actually when the haunting is over, everything is going to be fine. But here's actual physical damage happening to, yeah. uh, to Don. Yeah, it's like the, the poltergeist he really picks and chooses because the blood on the walls splatters, those disappear, mm-hmm. but Don is actually very hurt. It's sort of, I mean, it really is like a nightmare on Elm Street kind of a deal where yeah. like some of it is dreamy and some of it is, but if you don't wake up in your dreams, you know what they say. You get to sleep a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, superiority complex. And an inferiority complex about your superiority. I don't complex. I don't tell me, Jenny. I just, I just, I don't know. I think like Jenny's doing the gabagool hand for those of you who uh, <laughs> yeah can't see her. I want to have room for this idea because like I can, I think see a way in which it could work maybe for me, but it just feels like. Un like undercooked, yeah. Like it feels like we're not done making this idea. Like yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Holly Hunter in Broadcast News. Am I just the person who comes on this podcast to talk about other things? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. I wish that I knew more of the things, but I'm not good at knowing things about <laughs> stuff on TV. As um, people know, <laughs> Broadcast News, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um. Holly Hunter plays a brilliant, brilliant uh, producer. Um, she's she's so smart. She's like sort of like a grown up version of Lisa Simpson or something like that. Um, and at some point, somebody says to her, "God, it must feel so good being right all the time." And she says, "No." And she's like on the verge of tears. She said, "No, it feels awful, or it's awful, something like it's." Uh, yeah. I blew the line, but. Um, no, it's very, it, very good. It, it, and but it reminds me of that that she's that's what the inferiority complex about the superiority complex reminded me of, yeah. And the, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like even you just delivering that line that was Holly Hunter's line hit better than, yeah, the way that it's on. and I it's just because it's this do it's if Buffy was saying, if Buffy was giving voice to this in a way that felt as as cooked to use Jenny's terminology as what you just told us about Holly Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, then it would work more for me. But it just, yeah, it just feels, it feels too soon for Buffy to be knowing this about herself. And it feels really obnoxious for this dude to be telling her that this is how she feels. Like it just. mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that the telling and not showing um, is what makes it so clunky here. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. They could have had a conversation where she revealed this as the underlying sentiment without just sort of spelling it out. Right, and there's so much other shit in here too because I do think that this is probably the most important piece but she goes back over, we like remind the like, I let him do horrible things to me, I, which I fucking can't. I cannot stand this shit of like she had because she's always referring to like having sex and knocking a house down and like d- the, the like non vanilla sex that she had with Spike and I... I've just heard it enough time. Once was more than I wanted to hear it, but like again and again and again with her being like, I'm bad because like I let him do things to me that were not 
prescribed by our it just it just we didn't need any of that and I agree if they had spent more time digging into this because it does feel important but yeah Jenny what I do think? think that like when she talks about like what Spike did to her and like how she feels fucked up about it after the fact with regards to fucking the house down and whatnot I read that more like less about like oh we had like rough sex and I like liked it or whatever and like it wasn't vanilla and it wasn't as chaste as sex can be or whatever (laughs) and more more like the stuff that she refers to like their relationship being about like her using him to feel better and like not stopping herself from from doing that okay you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm that um, makes sense. I feel to like me. she she feels the worst about her behavior and like the way that she feels about it from like a moral and ethical standpoint towards Spike. Okay. I choose that I would choose that reading over the one that I had because I don't like the one that I had. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm just a girl. I'm not a psych major <laughs> from Dartmouth doing Taekwondo. <laughs> so I have really no idea. No footing whatsoever. None. None. Um, that, is this... the, that, that is the best bio for this guy who would have been so awful on Twitter. Oh, the worst. <laughs> oh, God. Thank Dartmouth God alum. he died before Twitter. It's like, yeah. Major, I know quite <laughs> 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 Um. Well... At the as Buffy is talking about all this shit, she says the name of this vampire who she has all these conflicted feelings about, mm-hmm. and he says, <gasps> "Did, Did you, you say Spike?" Spike? <laughs> <laughs> Cut to a brief shot of Spike outside with this girl at the bottom of the steps. Will he go home with her or will he not? Oh, spoiler alert! He'll eat her. I do want to say that I really love the music cue they keep using over Spike and Justine Jr. I feel like it's. Unlike so anything we've heard mm. in this show, it has this like sort of, I don't know, it's like kind of m- magical, like chaotic, neutral, magical kind of vibe. I don't even Would remember listen. it, but I'm going to go back and listen. Yeah. Speaking of things that are magical, <laughs> this is my favorite Dawn sound clip. I'm not even going to play it. I'm just going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it for you. I'll play the clip. But she says... I cast you out. I cast you out into the void. <laughs> we don't need a clip. Come on. I That's was trying to both. So maybe we'll keep me doing it. I didn't know how it was going to roll. I thought I might go too hot on the mic. You know, it was a... anyway, um, I died. I died. I laughed forever because the pitch that she reached on just the word void is <laughs> delightful. Followed That's by, great. That's right. Die, you bastard. <laughs> Dawn so is fun out for Michelle Trachtenberg. Like, this is the shit. Yeah. If I could act in one fucking thing, it would be like a scene like this. Just <laughs> shit going banana town, you know? Oh, how fun. Um. Okay, so then why don't we just finish out this scene? Sure. A glowing Joyce appears. Yeah. And she's like, Mom? And Joyce says, things are coming, Dawn. I love you and I love Buffy, but she won't be there for you when it's bad. Buffy won't choose you. She'll be against you. 
And then she disappears. Worst hologram ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty rough. Pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, I want a refund. <laughs> I feel so awful for Dawn. I mean, she just... Not that Buffy, not that I like envy Buffy's experience in the body and all that she went through, but it just feels like Dawn is constantly just getting like the tiniest little bits of things to, to like grieve with or process with. Like it's just, she gets like just what's left over. And this feels like more of that. Like Joyce appears and it's really fucking terrifying. And then she says one confusing and scary thing and then is gone. It's just, it feels like a lot for poor little Donnie. Yeah. Yeah, this is not great. But also, Dawn, think. Your mother has passed on. But do you have any reason to think that your mother can see the future from that vantage point? But this is like but this is like Willow not being able to clock evil Cassie right away. Just... It's like the trauma. Like, I, at least I can believe that the trauma that Dawn carries and that Willow carries, like, would make them buy into this for a bit. Um so, uh, speaking of Willow, in the library, oh boy, in the library. <laughs> you want to take uh, this one to its epic end as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Willow's all, but Giles says quitting cold turkey is dangerous. And Cassie's like, no, you must just no more magic. Willow's like, I'm not strong. And then, oh, Cassie. Cassie with the... There is one thing you could do to stop it. <laughs> she just can't be cool. Like, Cassie, be cool, you just man. Be cool. be cool. This this could have gone totally differently. Willow's face instantly is like uh, full record scratch on Willow's face. <gasps> Everybody will be safe and you'll be together again. It's not that bad. It's just like going to sleep. I will give Cassie or whoever the fuck Cassie is some points for being like suicide went too far. You seemed so ripe. It could have been great. Candlelight, the indigo girls. I just love that whatever no. Cassie is, she knows that the way to make a lesbian reference is to throw the indigo girls in. <laughs> I just don't know if indigo girls is like the music of uh, profound sorrow and, and giving up. Yeah, it's true. Depends on how you feel about them. <laughs> wow <laughs> oh god uh, but i do so i i love evil cassie i have to say that uh is her name azura sky is that what this mm -hmm. actress's name is oh yeah i i enjoy she gets just a, just a little moment the tiniest little moment of where willow knows and she gets to just be her evil whoever she is self <laughs> Uh, you don't know her. I'm done with the mortal coil, but believe me, I'm going for a big finish. Willow, has Willow said it before? Willow says, F-B-Y-I-D. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Cassie is like, it's actually F-B-Y-M-D. <laughs> Not it. Me, motherfucker. And then her mouth turns inside out and swallows just her whole self into a black hole. It's crazy. Just, that was just, some just wild not... visual effects. <laughs> wild. It's just not what you want. <laughs> wild. It's like her mouth was its own portal that sucked herself in it backward. It, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, two more threads to go. Where should we go next? Back to the cemetery. How do you know Spike? 
He's the guy that, uh, what is the word for it? Gave me his he made seed, me like I this. believe is what Chris <laughs> yeah. Yes, he penetrated me with his Sire sharp, seed. pointy. Oh, no. You, you introduced uh, Sire we Seed. We thinking into... we had sexual tension awards set, and they have gone off the rails in this conversation. <sighs> uh, it's not great. That, that, that just uh, that doesn't seem great. How could Spike be the guy that sired uh, Holdy Webs? I don't know. Yeah, uh, but then there he is, siring Justine Jr. Biting the crap out of her. It's not good. Spike, I think, is the vampire that has the best bloody teeth. Like, I, I yeah, like... Yeah, and he's always, like, touching them sexily yeah. and, like, lustfully. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. James Marsters knows how to work a bloody tooth, if I do say so myself. Hey. <laughs> Uh, and then speaking of blood uh, <laughs> the final button over at the high school oh no Yeah. Andrew stabs Jonathan and Jonathan's computer generated blood covers that hot topic evil seal in no time at all Jonathan as a blood covered seal R.I.P. Jonathan R.I.P. Jonathan and <sighs> R.I.P. Holden Webster, who is now just but a dust. pile of dust. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he's gone. I'm not glad Jonathan's gone. And here we are. And unfortunately, Danny Strong was never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder whatever happened to that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I hope he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if they hadn't killed him off in season seven, he could have had an epic career ahead of him. But... <laughs> oh, my word. Well, Jenny, Rishi. Yes. Are we ready to get sexy or <laughs> get <laughs> remain? Ah. Yes. Mm. Jinx, Jenny. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to another installation of our sweatiest segment, the Sexual Tension Awards. Today we have some slots for your noms and noms for your slots some of them guest generated by rishi himself (laughs) i can't even believe it so much has happened we came into this episode thinking we had our four noms locked but uh, almost everything has shifted everything Mm -hmm. but one has shifted and here is what you have to choose from on this most blessed day in slot number one they were strangers until they weren't it's Holden Webster and Spike. In slot number two, sometimes the magnetism between um, a collection of bones and uh, the flat of a thumb uh, with the <laughs> lubricant of uh, red in between them, easing their movements against one another, cannot be contained. It is Spike and his bloody, bloody, bloody teeth. <laughs> Hot. In slot number three, sometimes less is more, and sometimes absolutely nothing is even more than less. <laughs> it's, Cass- <laughs> it's Cassie's mouth and negative space. Cassie's mouth just turns her entire self into nothing at all, and that's hot to me. And in slot number four, that's my preferred. It's move. a shame. <laughs> yeah. 
Everybody's kink here on this podcast. <laughs> Excuse me, are you into it's- self-abnegation? <laughs> and now, with the cluster of truly incredible and like never before seen pairings that we just ran down, it's a shame to waste those noms on this episode when truly I know in my heart of hearts that only the fourth slot and the noms held within can take the gold medal this episode. You've heard the rumors. We've heard the rumors. <laughs> things happened. Things were said and done and touched and held and stroked and kissed and embraced. <laughs> that can <laughs> the never hook, be. The shepherd's crook is like creeping into frame. <laughs> 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 that can never be. Said, unseen, unsaid, untouched, unstroked, or unheld. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) It's all those rumors about Buffy and Faith that ran like wildfire through Sunnydale High School in season three. Those are your noms and their respective slots. Please make your voice heard in our beautiful, sexy democracy. Cast your vote in our Twitter poll, which will be up for one week starting today. Find it at Buffering cast. Thank you very much. That is an episode. Rishi, how are you feeling? I'm feeling are there good. any are there any thoughts that that we didn't, you know, get from you that you want to speak on? No, do, do, no, do you no, have any... no. I got my Eddie Murphy shout out in. That's great. Really great. <laughs> my number you got one. some data in there yeah. you got some eddie murphy in there <laughs> oh yes oh it is such a joy to have had you here with us i stole that skip intro porn name from josh molina <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your honesty you you know, i like that, that you waited till the very in. end yeah to exactly admit when it. we're not yeah. recording <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, um, Rishi, I know that you and Jenny are going to, you know, be on tour, but is there anything else you want to tell our gentle listeners about that they should know? My website is rishikesh.co. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rishi Hereway. And I have a newsletter uh, that you can find at rishikesh.bulletin.com. Nice. And all of that, of course, will be in the show notes for you if you want to scoop it up. Come see jenny and myself on tour um we're going to be on the east coast in march and on the west coast in may the day that we start tour is going to be a day that my ep comes out and i'm so excited i'm scared out of my mind because i haven't been on tour in so long but um but much like our venn diagrams of knowledge uh jenny will be gently (laughs) holding me the whole time um keeping me safe i hope (laughs) Well, lucky for everybody. I mean, you know, you haven't been on tour in a long time, but also most of us haven't really seen anybody on tour in a long time. We're all holding (laughs) each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we're going to be playing um, a set, a joint set, Jenny and myself on stage the whole time. It's not like one of us is opening for the other. We are playing together. We're playing songs that we, a lot of songs that we wrote together. Um, We're playing some buffering songs, actually. (gasps) Mm Mm-hmm. And seems like seems like every time we get together to talk about the set list, yet another buffering song gets added to the set list. I will I not know, apologize. Nobody's... 
I will not apologize. Contacted my booking manager about uh, <laughs> Glockenspiel, so okay. I don't know how you could possibly. <laughs> but there's also going to be probably a lot of talking in between the songs. You know, most shows there's a little bit of talking in between a lot of songs. Here we're going to have a lot of talking in between all the songs because we're going to yeah, tell yeah. we're going to tell stories about um, about what the songs meant and how they were inspired sort of uh a little bit of song exploder and a little bit of buffering kind of um meeting and having uh having a baby on stage i love that oh yeah and we're gonna be having a baby on stage oh, sure. <laughs> is that wow. weird wow <laughs> things are really moving up along. the ticket prices i think for that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing all right jenny let's uh let's tell the people who who we are Oh, yeah. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Uh, and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I'm like writing and recording and uh, performing songs, as Rishi just mentioned, like uh, I'll be performing some of them uh, with them while we're out on tour this spring. <laughs> That'll be very fun. Uh, you can find out all about me and tour and what I get up to at JennyOwenYoungs.com. And you can give me a shout on socials at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, and when I'm not here basking in the glow of Jenny and Rishi on a podcast, I am working with LGBTQ communities. Um, so you can learn about the work that I do speaking at uh, colleges, high schools, workplaces, etc. on my website, which is kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling to find me on Twitter and Instagram. Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the work that we do, we would love that. You can go on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash BufferingCast, or just head to our website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com, and click on Patreon. You can join our Patreon family. You could go to our store. You could buy some merch. You could just love us, and we would also appreciate it. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Alba Daza, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Thanks again to our very, very, very special guest and very BFF of the pod, Rishi K. Shearway, for joining us today. Thanks, Rishi. Thank you for having yeah. me back. It's so nice Literally to be anytime. here. And it's so mm -hmm. great to talk to you, too, about anything, but especially <laughs> Buffy. And till next time... Everybody feels alone. Everybody is. I still carry in my bones. Everyone I'm Can you tell me who I'll be? Person I'll become? Did I choose this path for me? Or am I running from? The past is in the past. Should be history, but the echo of it lies.
to try to find ways to find peace and art and love and connection in the midst of the chaos of life. So that's life writing. I am so excited to have comic and daily show correspondent Roy Wood Jr. Well, hello. That joke was birthed from my trip to the African-American Smithsonian in DC, which that was the first time I saw something where, all right, on this floor, it's nothing but good news. Mm. We've gone through slavery, we've gone through desegregation and emancipation proclamation and reconstructing but on this floor beyonce michael jordan Issa ray thank you for coming <laughs> come and join us on life writing for more stories like these and the tools writers need to make yourself the hero or heroine of the adventure of your life life writing is available wherever you get your podcasts